Wake up, West Georgia. It's time for the podcast powered by Coffee and Mountain Dew. The Morning Five with Bryce Sparling and Billy Lindahl. Wake up, West Georgia. It's time for your favorite morning podcast. It is the Morning Five for Wednesday, July 20th, 2022. And it is brought to you by the Perian Lawyers. Nobody wakes up thinking, man, I hope I hire a lawyer today. But hey, life happens. Don't call one of those big law firms with overused slogans and thousands of billboards. We have a top-notch law firm right here in West Georgia. The Perian Lawyers with offices in Carrollton and Bremen. Personal injury, workman's comp, and everything in between. Find them at callcadenow.com. That's C-A-L-L-C-A-D-E-N-O-W.com. Local lawyers, catchy slogans, a few billboards, big results. We've got a couple of food days today, Bryce. Uh, The first one is National Hot Dog Day. You know, I'm really surprised National Hot Dog Day is not on July 4th, given that that is a massively popular barbecue food and the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest is always on July 4th. Maybe they don't want Hot Dog Day overshadowed by, uh, you know, July 4th, Independence Day. But I, I, this should this should be on July 4th. I think National Hot Dog Day should move to July 4th. They needed celebrated another day. <laughs> they needed another day to celebrate it. I feel you. <laughs> what uh? What do you put on your hot dog? Nothing. I don't eat hot dogs. Really? No, I hate hot dogs. I do not eat hot dogs. Wow. Not, not a hot dog fan. Absolutely not. You know, if it's if this. If it's the only thing there, you know, I'll, I, I don't mind eating it. Or, you know, at the ballpark, that's that's Grayson's favorite uh, meal in between games, usually a hot dog or a hamburger. So if he hit, if he eats like three quarters of the hot dog, I'll eat the last quarter. But no, I'm not a I'm not a go out of my way, eat a hot dog, hot dog favorite type of person. Um, so what do you what do you get at the TP? Uh, I usually they I don't I usually don't eat anything, honestly. I used to get the uh, the barbecue nachos when they were at the TED. I don't know if they still have those. That barbecue joint that was at the right when you walk in, that was the I don't remember what the name of that barbecue joint was now though. But they had this massive thing of nachos that I used to get. Skips. Yeah, that's what it was. I think it was Pete and Skip's barbecue, and they used to have this massive plate of barbecue nachos that I used to get. It was it was amazing. But no, I usually I'll get like cracker jacks or sunflower seeds or peanuts or something. But I don't eat a meal there. The kids eat. The kids will get that those massive hot dogs they sell there. Yeah, I always get a, a hot dog a foot long before the game and scarf that down and then head to our seats. It's also National Lollipop Day. That's and gotta be the like the favorite snack or not snack? I guess candy of kids like. You give a kid a lollipop, and how much? How much is like one lollipop? Like a quarter, maybe less. You give a kid a lollipop, like uh, when we give money to the Shriners on the side of the road. Man, they always got lollipops they're handing out, and they make the kids' day. Uh, Twenty-five cents, you can make a kid happy with a lollipop. Yeah, you know, I. Uh, you know, did you know? Uh, you remember Warheads from back in the day? Heck yeah, man, dude. Warheads makes lollipops. I saw the other day. We got yeah. a couple for the kids. Those are now. The, I do like trying Warheads just because of how sour they are. I will try those every now and then. But uh, but yeah, lollipop. That's an undefeated snack for a little kid or a little little piece of candy. Undefeated. And Bryce, we are officially thirty days from high school football. Let's go. 
Let's go. 30 days from high school football, and we actually just figured out we're only two weeks away from the scrimmages starting for high school football. So it, it's coming. Uh, it, it'll be here before you know it. And I, I, I can't wait, man. I mean, social media has started to pick up with all the schools around here getting ready for football season to start. I can't wait. I'm so amped. Yeah, and we've got uh, we've got something kind of big in the next two weeks to announce, too. So um, we'll bring that up a little bit later in the show. We right, are uh, forming a Mega Bowl. Uh, all the football yes, teams are, are going to come. Yeah, Mega Bowl. <laughs> Mega Bowl. Uh, last night at the All-Star game, the American League beat the National League three games, or three to two. Giancarlo Stanton and uh, Byron Buxton with monster back-to-back for the uh, American League in the fourth. Mookie Betts and Paul Goldschmidt with the uh, National League's lone RBIs. And that actually happened in the first inning. And yeah. I was I was surprised. I was like, oh, here we go, National League. And then nothing. I thought National League was going to roll, but they did not. After that, uh, Braves batters went two for 10. Acuna and Riley with the only hits. Acuna had a good double and scored the first run. Um, but then Riley later on in the game. So I I tuned out, man. Honestly, like I think I passed out uh, past the third. Okay. Um, I just turned it off. Like, you yeah, know, I don't I, you know, I don't want to be too negative about it because I, I don't know. I feel bad saying that I don't like the all-star game because it's, it's great for the fans that are there. Uh, my kids loved it. I know I know the um, the players and the families and the children of the players love it and stuff like that. It's a fun exhibition game. So it still has a place in baseball. But, I, yeah, I'm, I'm like you, Billy. I just don't have a ton of interest in it. Like, I, w- I was flipping back and forth in between it, like catching a couple of bats and stuff, but – it's not something I'm going to sit there and watch intently. You know what I mean? Yeah. And by the way, and I'm going to go on a little rant here for a second. Do it. What the hell, Los Angeles? Mm. Two nights. Thank you. Thank nights you for bringing that up. Yes. In a row. There were so many empty seats in Dodger Stadium. I don't give a crap if it was 5 p.m. in the afternoon when the game started or when the home run derby started. There were so many empty seats in Dodger Stadium that it was ridiculous. That was embarrassing. You want to talk about Atlanta and being Atlanta being a, a crappy town for fans and everything? We at least show up to the stadium and and show up on big events like that. There's zero. There's zero zero reason that they should have had that many empty seats in both in both like. It just baffles me. How many empty seats were in Dodger Stadium the last two nights? And I don't remember who this was. It, it might have been it might have been our uh, buddy Bo Bishop up in Columbus, Ohio, talking about it. I don't I don't really remember who said it, but they were talking about how events, especially like Dodger games and stuff, they're events for these people out in Los Angeles. You, you don't see the massive obsessive fans that go to every single game and have season tickets for thirty years out there they see going to a Dodger game as an event. So it lends itself to empty seats when it's not a Dodgers event. But it's kind of weird because you would think that the All-Star game, that well, that's a massive event. You would think that that would that would lend itself to having a lot of people there. But yeah, quite a few empty seats, man. I, I, was, I was very shocked and disappointed, honestly, that I saw that. Although one positive last night, 
and I think I will be purchasing one of these. Has there been a better looking All Star jersey than last night, especially on the National for, League side? For both, for honestly, for both sides, man. Honestly, like I like, I liked the fact that they went the white and dark, which looked good um, on both sides. The 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 white for the National League and the darker for the the American League. They both looked good, and it popped, and the somehow it just worked. Like, the dark you didn't think would be dark on dark, you don't think would work. No, it worked last night. I will give I will give them that, because in the past, they have they have thrown out some barf. horrific all-star uniforms. Like, horrific. And they did, they did well last night. Uh, the fact that they were doing with the nationally the white with the gold um basically the gold outline of of the you of the uh logo on the uniform oh it was beautiful and Absolutely i think next beautiful. year if they if they keep these same jerseys which i'm all for you know maybe alter them a little bit so you so they can sell them that's fine i understand that it's a it's a marketing it's a business i think they should mandate gold belts because Manny Machado's gold belt on his uniform looked yes, phenomenal. Sir. I, I yes, absolutely loved it, man. Uh, and I, I think that should be a mandate. Hey, gold belts. Got to wear gold belts. The black was fine. Whatever. But the gold, oh, man. I just – and baseball does so much wrong. And I, I think the the uniforms last night was a small thing that they just knocked it out of the park. I, I'm, I'll be looking to get me a Braves all-star jersey. Because yeah, those white with the gold oh, braids, just they just beautiful. beautiful, man, just beautiful. Yep. All right, Bryce. Uh, let's get to the Big Ten season preview. We've still got some more teams that we need to run over today. Let's go. Yeah, we're gonna continue with. I think we have five teams today, so we're gonna continue with them. We're gonna start off with the Fighting Illini up in Illinois. Not uh, not satisfied with the direction of Illinois' attack last year. Old Burt made a change at the top. One out went one-year coordinator Tony Peterson, and in came UTSA offensive coordinator Barry Looney Jr. He worked as tight ends coach at Arkansas under Burt and knows what the boss wants. And I believe UTSA beat Illinois last year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the strength of the offense is at running back where a 1,000-yard rusher Chase Brown is joined by promising Josh McCray and a handful of capable reserves. Syracuse transfer Tony DeVito is a one-year answer at quarterback. Looney hopes DeVito can repeat his 2019 season with the Orange when he threw for 2,360 yards and 19 scores. DeVito will work behind a rebuilt offensive line that welcomes back starters Alex Polzuski and Julian Pearl. While the offense struggled, Ryan Walters' unit held up its end. The defense was fantastic last year. A year after Lovey Smith's team finished 97th nationally in points allowed, Walters and company improved to number 29 in scoring defense in the nation, and in total defense, the crew jumped from 114th to 46th. Illinois will struggle again this year, in my opinion, their second year under Burt. That offense needs to improve. I think the defense is going to stand up and kind of hold up there into the bargain. I'd be pretty shocked if Illinois went better than 3-9 next year. I'm actually just a little bit surprised. Maybe I just didn't pay attention enough last year that this is this is Bert's second year. Yeah, old Bert. Yep, second year up there in Illinois. 
Brad Bielema. Dear Lord. All right. <laughs> All right. Next is the Boilermakers of Purdue, a team that I actually really like this year. Uh, a season that begins with modest expectations wound up to be a breakthrough year for Purdue football in 2021. Purdue capped a nine-win season, its highest win total since 2003, by beating Tennessee 48-45 to in a wild overtime shootout at the Music City Bowl. Other big wins included an upset of number two Iowa and an upset of number five Michigan State at home. And it seems like every year they pop up and beat Ohio State for some reason. Not last year, but yep. both years. Uh, O'Connell back for his third season as the starter possesses the arm strength and intelligence to run Brahms' intricate, high-powered offense. Purdue's passing offense is ranked either first or second in the Big Ten in the last four seasons under Brahm, including in 2021. Well, when the Boilermakers finished second behind Ohio State's 355.4 yards per game. And that's out of Purdue. That's insane. Uh, Purdue is stacked at tight end position with Payne Durham, who had 467 yards and six touchdowns last year. Garrett Miller and Paul Piffery all returning in the run game. Purdue brings back leading rusher King Dorio who had 533 yards last year with two touchdowns and averaged 3.7 yards per carry in the three seasons with the Boilermakers. Ron English and Mark Hagan will serve as co-defensive coordinators as Brad Lambert departed after one season to take over as defensive coordinator at Wake Forest. English will call the plays, becoming the fourth different Purdue play caller on the defense in the last four seasons. That's not really a recipe for success. Good God. Yeah. Will Lambert calling plays last season, Purdue's defensive showed Marked improvement, ranking seventh in the Big Ten in scoring defense and eighth in total defense. Auburn transfer OC Brothers will enter his second season as the bo- with the Boilermakers and will start at one of the linebacker spots with super senior Simisi Faskilaki. Uh, the defensive line loses two talented pass rushers in Karloftis and Demarcus Mitchell, but there is hope that the returning defense by Cadron Jenkins and Murray State transfer Scotty Humpich can pick up some of the slack. I really like Purdue this year. I'm really high on Purdue. I think they're going to be a fantastic squad. I think 10-2 and two is honestly not out of the realm of possibility. I think if they get that offense rolling and the defense stays stout, I mean, that offense is going to keep them in so many games. I, I like Purdue going 10-2 and two this year. Remind me where Karloftis went in the NFL draft. Ooh, George Karloftis. Did he go to... Um, did he go to... Uh, the Bears? I don't I don't know. I I can't remember where he went. George Karloftis went to the Chiefs. He is a Kansas City Chief. Really? Okay. First round draft pick. Yep. Kid was kid was a monster. But yeah, 10 and 2, 10 and 2 for Purdue this year is, is what I think they can uh, they can get to. 10 and 2 is high. I I like Purdue. I like Purdue a lot. Uh, All right, next we got the Badgers of Wisconsin. Wisconsin is looking to get back on track after two subpar seasons under uh, eighth-year coach Paul Crist. The Badgers haven't played in the Big Ten Championship game since 2009, but they have had three of their best recruiting classes in program history, moving into the starting roles on both sides of the ball. 2019. You said 2009. Oh, 2019. Yeah, that was their last championship game. Yeah, no, it's been since it's been longer or it's shorter since 2009. I promise you. Wisconsin found its latest uh, star running back last season in Braylon Allen, whose physical and aggressive running style became the foundation of the team's offensive identity. 
Allen led the uh, FBS in yards when facing an eight-man box with 814 and yards after contact with 4.5, according to PFF. And he will be the focal point of the offense as the 18-year-old sophomore under new coordinator Bobby Ingram. Uh, quarterback Graham Mertz is back for his third season, needing to cut down on turnovers after throwing 11 picks and losing four fumbles last season. Mertz will be operating more under the center uh, with Ingram calling the plays, but the Badgers need to create more splash plays through the air after ranking ninth in the Big Ten in total yards, total passing yards per attempt at 6.9 last season. That's terrible. Uh, Jim Leohard is the first, is one of the premier defensive coordinators in college football, but he has the challenge of replacing eight starters from the top rank rushing and total yardage defenses in the FBS. Three of those eight starters were all Big Ten performers, so it's quite a loss. The depth the Badgers have at defensive line should help them. As the coaching staff said, they want the defensive line to, quote, play more disruptively this year. I don't know what that means, but they want them to do that. I don't like the Badgers, man. I'm, I'm pretty down on them. I think eight and four seems like a likely record for Wisconsin this year. Still have questions about them on defense. I am not a huge, huge Badger believer this year. Okay. And next we got Michigan State. Old Sparty up there. Sparty! This, this might surprise you, Billy. Just wait Just wait till I get to the end. Michigan State heads into the 2022 season as one of the top curiosities in all of college football. With the Spartans attempting to follow up last year's surprising 11-2 season, number nine national ranking and Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl victory, all of which allowed third-year coach Mel Tucker to gain traction as a rising force in the profession. Crafty quarterback Peyton Thorne is an established winner, cool in the pocket, and he can run tough. Uh, he can run through tough yardages when necessary. His 27 touchdown passes a year ago set a school record against only 11 interceptions. Jaden Reed, a 1,000-yard receiver in 2021, is slick go-to target, especially in the red zone. Tough, reliable, and junior Trey Mosley has 63 career catches. And tight end transfer Daniel Barker from Illinois will add an element with 11 career receptions, or 11 career touchdown receptions. Michigan State faces three of the top five passing attacks in the country last year in WKU, Ohio State, and Purdue, and two more in the top 13 in Miami and Maryland. The opposition and chosen problems in the back seven uh, caused Michigan State to rank dead last in the country in passing yards allowed. Michigan State was a slightly less nauseating number 10 in the Big Ten in yards allowed per pass attempt. Georgia cornerback transfer Amar Amir Speed added a talent 6-3 frame and a solid pool of cornerbacks uh, that will have senior safety Xavier Henderson providing stability. Defensive tackle is a strength for Sparty this year with studs Jacob Slade and Simeon Barrow providing a burly athletic tag team. Michigan State led the Big Ten in sacks but ranked number 11 in third down defense two extremes that seem illogical together that's i don't understand how that happened billy i really like michigan state this year i think they are bringing back one of the most talented teams in the big 10 and one of the most well-seasoned teams in the big 10 i'm going in i'm going at 11 and 1 this year Whoa. for sparty i'm going 11 and 1 this year for sparty and i would not be surprised if sparty is the person that is representing the big 10 in the college football playoffs this year Oh, yeah. Wow, good for good for former uh, Georgia and Alabama coach uh, Mel Tucker. I mean, uh, he's he's doing good things up in 
up in uh, East Lansing. I'll give him that. He's created a solid program up there. Sparty used to have one or two years in in a decade where they were where they were relevant. I think Mel Tucker is building a, a powerhouse up there. I think Michigan State is going to take over as the best team in that state up there. Honestly. Uh, next, we go to Penn State, the Nittany Lions. Penn State is looking to rebound. Uh, the Nittany Lions have gone 11 and 11 over the past two seasons, and they do not head into the 2022 offseason with wind at their back, having dropped six of their last eight games last year, including a 24 to 10 loss to Arkansas in the Outback Bowl. Penn State has one of the most experienced quarterbacks in the country in super senior Sean Clifford. He's had his share of highs and lows in his most recent performance, a two interception. 14 of 32 showing in the Outback Bowl definitely falls into the latter category. But he's also started 33 games over the past three seasons and is one of only three players in school history with more than 8,000 yards of total offense. Of more concern, though, is the He's still there. Dude, Sean Clifford has been there for forever, I feel like. He is, um, uh, who is the, there was another quarterback somewhere. Who's the quarterback for Purdue that I felt like was there for forever? I don't know if it was. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember. Uh, One of the more concerning things for the Nittany Lions is the ground game. Despite boasting a trio of four former four-star running backs in their backfield, the Nittany Lions didn't have a single 100-yard rushing performance in any game last year. Kavion Lee led the team in rushing as a sophomore 530 yards, only 57 more than he gained in 2020, despite playing in three less games. First-year Nittany Lions defensive coordinator Manny Diaz, formerly head coach of the Miami Miami Dolphins of Miami Hurricanes, has some holes in his front seven, with a starter needing to be replaced in the line and two others in the linebacking core. But the Lions are also getting uh, back a couple of key players. They suffered season-ending injuries last year. Defensive tackle P.J. Mustafer and defensive end uh, Adisa Isaac. I think I think James Franklin is massively overrated. I've said this ever since he sort of started getting the limelight shown on him. I'm not a James Franklin believer or a James Franklin fan. I don't think Penn State's going to be good, and I don't think it's going to be long until James Franklin is out of Penn State. I, seven and five is what I predict Penn State for wow. this year. Okay. I don't I don't like them. I don't like their roster. I don't like their makeup. I don't like the talent, and I don't like James Franklin. Okay. All right, Bryce, you know what else is going on? It's SEC Media Days. And yes, yesterday, it is. Yesterday, we had uh, Nick Saban uh, on the podium. And here's Nick's thoughts on uh, on the Jimbo feud and, and the NIL deals in the NCAA. Well, first of all, I have no issues or problems with uh, Jimbo. Um, you know, he's done a great job at AM. He did a great job for us. Um, you know, I, I, I always take... Um, criticisms or whatever uh, in a positive way to self-assess me personally in terms of maybe there is something that I could do better. Um, And so any comments that anybody makes, you or any coach, um, I always take into consideration. So, um, but there is no issues or problems. Um, I've spoke on this subject of um, you know, name, image, and likeness is a great thing for players, and I'm all for players having the opportunity to uh, create whatever value they can create for themselves. And you know, our players did extremely well last year. Uh, I think they made over three million dollars in name, image, and likeness. 
And, um, but I do think that the concerns um, are, you know, there, there has to be something, some guidelines that sort of protect competitive balance, you know, and how we do this. And, you know, the advent of collectives um, has created a way for, you know, third parties to um, make contributions to marketing organizations who can create opportunities for players, which I think is a good thing. Uh, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. Uh, creates opportunities for players. That's a good thing. I think when it's used in recruiting um, and players start making choices and decisions based on promises that are made uh, in name, image, and likeness, I'm not sure that is a good thing. Um, so I do think there needs to be some guidelines, you know, in that. And I think there needs to be transparency and, you know, how all that's done. And I do think there needs to be some protection for players um, when it comes to people who represent them and third parties who are involved, um, people who get between, you know, the money and the player. Um, because, um, you know, those people have a responsibility and obligation to professionally represent the players in a first-class way. And, you know, right now we have no guidelines for, you know, any of these things. And uh, I think, you know, that's, that's a bit of a concern. So it seems like the, the, the feud between him and Jimbo is over. I, I don't know if Jimbo feels the same way. I guess we'll probably get a reaction after this. Uh, but from, from Nick's side, it seems like the feud is over. And the NIL deal, he wrapped up how I kind of feel like about NIL. When, when the kids are already on campus, when they're already enrolled, when they're already on a team, the NIL is a fantastic and great program. These kids can make money off their name, image, and likeness, and I am all for it. It doesn't need to be used as a recruiting pitch, though. That, that's what I don't want. That's that's yeah. what I don't like, and I don't want that. Agreed. Uh, and Nick, Nick feels the same way, and, you know, love him or hate him, you got to listen to him when he speaks because he's the greatest college football coach of all time. So when, when Saban says something, you got to listen. All right, and then we had Mike Leach, uh, head coach of the Mississippi State Bulldogs. So, Bryce, I, I don't know if you saw his opening statement. Did you? Did you happen to see his opening statement? Yes, I did. His opening statement was, I appreciate that. Any questions? <laughs> That's it. Short, simple, sweet, to the point. That is it. I appreciate that. Any questions? Wow. <laughs> Good for the pirate. Uh, my, Mike Leach wants to be in charge of SEC realignment. Quote, they ought to let me handle that. Leach said <laughs> Tuesday before talking to the main stage. I'll have that done by lunch. I think it would be brilliant to let me handle it. Uh, Alabama and Auburn would shift to the SEC East, while Oklahoma and Texas would join Mississippi State in the SEC West. You knock those guys off and send them to the East, and we have to play Texas and OU. Tell me how I've lost on that deal, Leach said. I have a lot of respect for those guys, but in this conference, they can just go ahead and get in line with everybody else. What a goofball, I love the man. Pirate, man. I, I, love I, the I would, pirate, I would like to see Missouri also go to the West and send maybe, I, I don't know, Arkansas to the East or something, or LSU to the East. And that way you almost have you almost have the SEC in the SEC East, and then you have the Big 12 in the SEC West. That'd be that'd be kind of interesting to see. That's yeah, true. He, was, he was interesting. Hey, Coach Shane Beamer for the South Carolina Gamecocks. I don't know if he said in his 20 to 30 minutes uh, interview – I don't know if he ever said anything about football, maybe two or three lines, 
uh, Coach Beamer gave a very uncoach-speak like 20-minute interview. He came up on the uh, the podium, did the electric slide, and then had Soldier Boy music playing in the background and was doing the Soldier Boy dance on stage. Uh, after he said, "It's a high-pressure job. It's demanding. You get you get judged on what you do 12 Saturdays in the year. If you don't win games, you get fired." But I'm gonna have a hell of a time as long as I'm at South Carolina. <laughs> it was so odd, man. There was like no game plan, no nothing, no coach, uh, just no no coach speak. He was just dancing and having a good time up there. It was so odd. It was weird. It was very weird. I didn't understand it. <laughs> and then finally, uh, Vanderbilt's Chuck uh, Clarkley, <laughs> Lee named Junior. Uh, Mark Wright, his his starting quarterback, Junior Ken Seals is the backup. Mike Wright happens to be one of the best in the country in that respect. Lee said about Wright's mental or mobility, we want to have, we want him to develop as a total quarterback, which he has, and he has demonstrated leadership abilities too. That seems kind of early to name a starting quarterback. Why not let them compete for a couple more weeks? I mean, you don't have a game. And it's Vanderbilt. You're going to lose all your games anyways. So let them compete for a little bit longer. You know? I it's mean, kinda, that makes sense. That's kind of odd. Named him pretty early. I didn't expect that. But there you go. Clark Lee stealing the headlines at SEC Media Day. Yeah, and we get Kirby today. Uh, but we can talk about that here in a second. Uh, the Marine South School Board last night uh the american league all-star game as mentioned american league beats the national league three game three to two uh on the stump at games and events calendar today we have more coaches um at the uh sec media days but there's no games going on we don't have any baseball um there's some baseball games on thursday thursday but nothing today so, is that is is this the is this the um the point in time in the year when we don't have like there's nothing there's no major sporting events is that is that today yeah like, that's today like nothing nothing goes on we've got nothing in the NFL we've got nothing in in college football or any college athletics we have nothing in the NHL and nothing in the NBA that's nuts and major league baseball is off across They're, the board. So today in uh, SEC Media Days, we have Sam Pittman, Arkansas's head coach at 9.05, Bill Good Napier, uh, Florida at 1 p.m., and then we have Kirby at 10.30 a.m. for Georgia and Mark Stoops for Kentucky at 2.25 p.m. I'm trying to think, is this the best day for SEC Media Day? Yeah, yeah it is. I, I would think so. I, I love Sam Pittman. I'm a huge Sam Pittman fan. I like Mark Stoops, love Kirby Smart. I don't know anything about Billy Napier, really, but he's he's a Florida head coach, so that's a big name. Uh, this is probably the best day for SEC Media Day. Should yeah, some, I agree. Some good ones. And we got uh, Stetson Bennett and Nolan Smith are the two dogs that are there. Oh, and uh, Cedric Van Pram uh, are the three dogs that are there with Kirby Smart. Good. All right, let's get to another cup of coffee. Bryce, you need one? Yes, sir, I sure do. Another cup of coffee brought to you by realtor Hannah Strawn with Robert Goolsby Real Estate Group. If you need any house, if you need your house sold or if you need to go find one, uh, reach out to Hannah Strawn with with uh, Robert Goolsby Real Estate Group. I'm looking for a one bedroom, one bathroom, just big enough for one person. Uh, think she can help me out with that? Uh, yeah, there's shipping containers for that, but we'll go with that. <laughs> 
The Atlanta Hawks have hired Kyle Korver to serve as the director of player affairs and development. All right, let's go, Kyle. Kyle. Huge, huge Kyle Kyle fan. Yeah, heck yeah, man. All right, uh, felony charges filed against Charlotte Hornets, Moss Bridges for domestic violence and child abuse. This is just getting darker and darker the, the longer it goes on, man. Yeah, hopefully good. he never. Hopefully he never sees an NBA court again. Uh, that's that's terrible, dude. I don't. I don't. I don't ever want to see that guy play another basketball game ever. No. In, in NASCAR, Billy, the drive through Chicago in 2023 will be the first ever street race in downtown Chicago. I'm not 100 sure where in downtown Chicago it's going to be. I would assume they're going to want to do it close to the to close to the lake. Uh, but yeah, street circuit in Chicago. That is going to be interesting next year. That will be fun as hell, man. Honestly. I, I mean, you, the first thing I think of is the logistics. No, no, I've never been to Chicago. Oh, it's it's beautiful. It's a beautiful city, honestly. Yeah, I, I can see with all the murder stats they pop up every year. It looks gorgeous. Well, yeah, you're you're talking <laughs> about one small section of it, but it's it truly is a beautiful city. It's it's one of my favorite places to visit. I uh I don't know I don't know how the logistics of this going to work out because Chicago is pretty densely populated. So like, where are the pits going to be and stuff? This is going to be interesting on how they how they set this up. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, when asked whether owners can't afford to pay minor leagues, minor leaguers more or simply choose not to, Manfred said, I kind of reject the premise of the question that minor league players are not getting paid a living wage. We've made real strides in the last few years in terms of what minor league players are paid. Even putting to one side this, the signing bonuses that m- many of them have already received, they receive housing, which obviously is another form of compensation. I just reject the premise of the question. I don't know what else to say about that. Rob Manfred, you are a snake. What an idiot. I I can't stand him. I can't either. Worst commissioner in all of major sports. I don't know anything about the NHL commissioner, so I might be saying that short-sighted. But from just the NFL and NBA, way worse than either one of those. Terrible. Yeah. Not a fan. Nope. Uh, Nope, neither. Major League Baseball Draft Day 3, Baltimore Orioles take seven-foot left-handed Jared Beck would be the Major League Baseball's tallest player ever. Seven That's awesome. Quarter. <laughs> Love Holy it. crap. And then finally Lefty today. Lefty, too. Lefty. Yeah. Jeez. And finally today in 1976, Hank Aaron hit his record 755th and last home run of his career off of Angel's Dick Drago. Wow. What an unfortunate name. <laughs> Good job on Hammer and Hank, the greatest baseball player of all time. And I will go to my grave saying that. Yep. Absolutely. Hey, uh, Bryce. So yesterday, hey, we, Billy. we got invited to uh, Media Day. Yeah, Drag- SEC Media, Media Day. Day. Oh, oh. Drag Sports Media Day, uh, we will be at. So uh, we're, you and I are pumped about this. We're looking forward to being there. Um, we appreciate the invite and uh, get to sit down with all of the coaches and players. And Bryce will actually get to meet them face to face, which will be awkward because, you know, Bryce hates people. Um, do indeed. <laughs> Can confirm. 
It, it, I, I was excited until our good friend, uh, Mr. Matt Skinner, told me that I did have to wear pants to this event. I was, okay. yeah, I was just going to show up in boxers with no shirt, but apparently pants and a shirt are required. He was mum on the requirement of feet wear, though. So I'll have to clear that up. I'll have to see if I have to wear shoes. Might come shoeless. I don't know. I'm not a big fan come, of clothing, though. You can come in flip flops. It'll be all right. You're going to be yeah, that's wear no shoes. I don't. I don't be tethered with any with any footwear. Surprised <laughs> <laughs> you got anything else, buddy? Nah, man. I'm good. Let's get out of here. Let's start our first Friday. Let's start our first Friday. Yes, sir. For uh, Bryce Farling, I am Billy Lindall. Let's get out of here. Let's enjoy your hump day. Uh, we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Same time, same place. Shake your neighbors. Just shake them. Shake your neighbors. <laughs>